0: Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. I wasn't sure if that was good or bad. I was like, Ugh. okay, okay. Uh, Pastor Paul and Jenny married their son yesterday, everybody. Well, Pastor Salu married him, but their son got married, and so they're off with family today. If you are wondering, but I'm so glad all of you are here today. How many has an expectation for what the Lord's doing? Okay. If you don't, you will by the end of this service, amen? Because I am so excited about this new series that we're gonna be getting into. And God's been really telling me over the last six months, really, of what 2020 is gonna happen. And God's really put in my spirit that 2020 is the year of miracles and answered prayer. And I didn't, I'm not just saying that because it's like, ooh, let's get hyped up. Let's get a, you know a, a thing for the year and get excited. No, I really, truly believe 2020 is the year of miracles, and the things that you've been believing God for are truly going to manifest, and that's why I'm taking the next few weeks, and I want to stir up the the gift and the faith of God on the inside of you, so my series is called Ridiculous Faith, and I want us to get our faith out there to believe God for some ridiculous things, And I don't mean just little small things that maybe we just didn't get last year, but I'm talking about really putting our faith out there that when you put it on paper, you're almost embarrassed by it. Because God wants us to put our faith in such a way that only God can perform it. And I am personally doing this in my own life, not just personally as a a woman of God, but I'm doing it for this church. And I am stretching my tent pegs because I'm believing God for a move of the Holy Spirit in North Phoenix, Arizona. I'm believing for a revival of the Spirit to touch our city and what portion that we have. And so my faith is going to go so big this year that I don't even want to tell you what I'm believing God for. Because it almost could be embarrassed, like, what if it don't happen, Jesus, right? I don't want to be embarrassed. But I'm really putting my faith out there, and I want you to begin to put your faith out there and have some ridiculous faith this year. So as we're going into January, we do our annual 21-day fasting and prayer. And I take this very seriously, and I believe those that are in our church Take it seriously, and every year we've seen a shift. We've seen God do something so supernatural, and I am really wanting to provoke you to step into this new year believing God. So getting your journals out right now and start writing to the Lord. What do you want from him? What do you really want to see? What is the area of your life that maybe you've had disappointment and maybe you've been let down? Maybe you didn't feel God came through. Those are the kind of things I want you to start putting down on paper because if you're not aiming for anything, you're going to get nothing. You'll get nothing. So I want us to aim this year for what is the desires of your heart? Is it getting out of debt? Is it for your marriage to be restored? Is it to lead somebody to Jesus? Is it to start a ministry or write a book? What is on the inside of your spirit that God wants to awaken in this time that we're going into? It's not a time to sit on the sidelines and be disappointed. It's time to get all in. And I'm prophesying that by the Holy Spirit, that it is a time to put your faith out there because God says, if your buckets are big, I'm going to fill them with all good things. So let's not go to the Lord with little things this year. Let's go to him with extravagant things, the things that only God is capable of doing, amen? So begin to write in your journal right now. Come into agreement as we go into this fast. I'm gonna ask you to do some things that maybe we've lost the pattern of in our life, and that is coming to the intercessory prayer that we have every Thursday night throughout the fast. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to do something different. If I'm going to put my faith out there, I better do something different in my spiritual walk with God so that God can stir up that faith on the inside of me so that I can receive the miracle that he already has for me. But we have to do something different, don't we? We have to have a part to play. So coming out to the Thursday night prayers, being a part of the fast, In some way, maybe it's just a soda or whatever it is, ask me, Lord, what can I set away so that I could take that time to spend time with you this year, God? Because I want something different than what I have in my life right now. Some of you may be at a bottom place where you're just like, God, I'm just barely keeping my nose above water. And some of you may have an okay life and a great life, but God wants to do greater. His word says he will do exceedingly abundantly above all you could think, dream, or imagine. So think about the greatest desires of your heart, the greatest thing that you could ever imagine happening and experiencing in your life. God says, I can trump you. I can go one bigger than that because that's the God that we serve, amen? And then maybe getting in the Bible every day, taking your Bible and a notebook out, and I'm going to challenge our leadership team. Wednesday nights, we're starting a Bible college where we're going to go deep into the Word and, and build mature Christians, not just come to church and get that moment with God, but really going into our mature walk with God, bringing our notebooks and getting hungry for God. Because what happens is when we've not seen God perform things in our life, we lose our passion. We lose our fire for God, and then life just becomes like this miracle round that we go on, and life takes us instead of us taking control of our life, amen? So maybe getting in your Bible, doing something different that you've not done, maybe the last part of this year, and putting it back into your life, amen? So there may be some things that maybe you want to have courageous faith to lay hands on the sick and see people healed. Maybe you just want to be courageous and, and lead your friends to Jesus and share your faith, and, Maybe you're like, man, every time they get up to receive the tithe, I really want to tithe and I'm so fearful of it. But maybe you're like, I'm going to commit to my tithe this year. You know, whatever it is the Holy Spirit is pulling on you, you're going to say yes to what the Lord has to say. Amen. So I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks on the journey of Elisha. And Elisha was an incredible prophet of God. But before he was called by God, Elisha was just an ordinary man. He Nothing was special about him. He didn't wasn't raised in the mind. He wasn't a monk. He wasn't the son of a priest. But when you study out Elisha, Elisha was just the son of a farmer. And what I want to share with you this morning that you may feel like you're not significant. You may feel like you've been a failure and God doesn't have anything in store for your life, or, or maybe you, you don't live the life that someone else lives, but I'm here to tell you today that God will release incredible, extraordinary things if you'll believe them, not based on how you see your life, but how God sees you. And Elisha was this man. He was a, a young man. He was plowing the field, and God had an extraordinary call on his life, even though his life looked ordinary, and we're going to find out his journey, and what did he do? How did he fulfill the call of God? Something that was so awesome about Elisha, as you learn about his journey, is that he had no calling on his life originally, but when God chose him, he said something ridiculous. He said, God, give me a double portion of what my mentor Elijah did. Can you imagine almost how arrogant that sounds like, wait wait a minute, dude, you already got chosen by God, now you want a double portion? But he had ridiculous faith. Even though he came from nothing, he said, God, I want what you gave me, but I want more. I want to do something ridiculous for you, amen? I want to do something that seems so crazy in my life, and that's what I'm challenging you today throughout this series. What can you stir up on the inside of you to say, I don't want my life to be average anymore. I want to do something ridiculously Crazy for God, amen? And that's what God did for him. And so in this part of the story where we're gonna share is Elijah, the nation had been divided. There was great tension that was going on in the land full of idolatry. They were worshiping the false god of Baal and God decided to visit an ordinary man and give him an extraordinary word. And that's where you're at today. So I wanna open up to First Kings 19 is it's telling us the story of Elijah when he came and he visited Elisha. Now, something I want you to see here is we don't really know the other side of the coin, what Elisha was believing God for. We don't hear the other side of the story at this moment when Elijah showed up and did something extraordinary. We don't know what was going on in Elijah's, Elisha's heart, but we see his response to what God is about to do. So let me just read this scripture and then we're going to break it down into a few parts. It says this, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, who we're talking about, son of Saphath. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Everybody say 12. 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come with you. Go back. Replied, Elijah replied, What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. How many think this is a ridiculous story? When you look at the word of God, this sounds ridiculous. Why would he go to all that extreme? to just follow Elisha. So we're gonna break down Elijah, some things that he did. But I wanna look back up to chapter or verse 19 and I wanna look at two words there. And one of them is there was 12 oxen, was the first part of the scripture where they listed 12 oxen. That word 12 means this, ordinary. They were ordinary oxen. But if you look at the next part of that verse where it says he was driving, Elisha was driving this 12th pair. He was holding on to the last pair that was at the end, and that 12th pair means double portion, and it means twice, and if you look at this ordinary story, he's just plowing the field, doing what's ordinary, but he didn't realize that in his hand, he was already holding the double portion anointing. He was already holding the blessings of God in his hand, but he couldn't see what God had. It was in him by faith. It was in there by the Spirit, but he was just doing what he was supposed to do, ordinary in his life. And one thing I love about this part of the story when he said he ran after Elijah and he said, whoa, wait, Elijah, what was happening? Elijah's like, let's go, dude. We gotta do something for Jesus. I've thrown my cloak on you. And he took off running and Elijah said, but let me say goodbye to my family. Let me throw a party for myself and say goodbye because I know what I'm about to do. And something that Elijah said to him I thought was so cool. He said, go. What have I done for you? See, it's not what man says about you. It's not what man's opinion is or isn't about what God has designed for your life. It's what God says about you. It's God's assignment for your life. Amen? I just feel even as I'm preaching, like some of you are just like, I don't even know what I'm believing God for. I just feel like there's just like this empty space on the inside of you. And God wants me to prod you so strong over these next couple weeks to stir up your faith. I just feel like you've accepted this just enough or you've accepted this lowly place. And God says, don't be discouraged about the place that you're in. I'm going to bring you up. It may look ordinary right now. It may look like nothing's going to change, but God is the great I am. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God still sits on the throne. God is not powerless. We are limited in our own ability, but God has no limit in his life. And we need to take the limits off, amen? And if you look at, I'll read that portion of the scripture again, 1 Kings 19, 19b, the second part of it, it says, Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. What was Elisha doing? He was doing what he always was doing. He was doing what only he knew to do. And in this life, life can become mundane. Life can become um, boring. You lose your passion when you're doing the same thing every day. I get up, I go to work, I you know, punch in the clock, I do my job, I'm not happy, I hate it half the time, right? I go home, I'm feeding my kids, I'm putting them to bed, get back up, and it's groundhog day all over again. Mom and dad's in here, I'm getting up, taking this kid here, going there, and all of a sudden life becomes mundane. I'm doing the ordinary thing and I'm wondering, God, what are you doing in my life? And what happens when life gets mundane, when it gets boring, we lose our passion. We lose our excitement, and our faith has bottomed out, and we're not in the position of posturing ourselves to saying, I don't care about the mundane. I'm going to be faithful every day, and I'm going to hang on to the double-fold blessing. I'm going to trust God for the word he's about to give my life that's going to change my family, that's going to change my marriage, that's going to bring my children back home from the streets, that's going to build my church. And this is where he's at. He's just doing the same thing over and over. And guess what? It starts all over again. What do we find in the kingdom of God? We come to church, and we love our church, and oh, we're shouting from the mountaintops, and we're, we're in worship, and we're joining all the programs, and then it becomes mundane. I go to church on Sunday. We sing this song. Pastor Barb gets up. We do that, right? And all of a sudden, church even becomes mundane, and we lose our passion for the word of God. We come in here, right, and that spirit that we got to pump everybody up and let's get excited for Jesus, right? Why? Because even serving God has become mundane because we've lost our passion and we've not postured ourselves for purpose. Because the only thing that gives us passion is our purpose. And, and we begin to just go through the motions. And that's what happened to Elisha. He's just plowing that field. Again, we don't know what's going on, but he doesn't know. While he's doing the mundane and the ordinary, you can put that picture up there. Just in case some of you don't know his point of view that he faced every day, that was Elisha's point of view. Every day, plowing the field behind a double-fold, stinky tail oxen. That was his view every day. Some of us look at life just like that every day, and we think, is it ever going to change and we get frustrated and we grow weary and we lose our joy and our, our trust and our hope and anything, if it's our job and our marriage, anything that becomes mundane, we lose our passion for. But he didn't realize he was holding on to the double fold anointing. He didn't realize that Elijah, the prophet that everybody knew and the miracles that he performed, was about to anoint him with his cloak. He didn't know that was on the way, but he stayed faithful in the ordinary. And God is calling us to stay faithful in the ordinary with an expectation that God is about to give you a word that is going to change your life. And that's why I want to encourage you, get your word from God. If I was to come down and get every one of you one-on-one, face-to-face, and I would say, what is God telling you today? You all got nervous just like first service did. You're like, oh God, don't let her talk to me. Right? What are you getting from the word of God? What's that revelation that just, whoa, that was my life-giving scripture? See, it's those things, hearing from God in the middle of the mundane that will give you ridiculous faith. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the finances look like. I don't care if I hate my husband more today than I did yesterday. I'm gonna hang on because of what God promised me. I'm gonna have ridiculous faith. My kids are coming home. They're gonna serve Jesus. I see them worshiping in that seat right next to me. I see them serving God with all of their heart. I see them an evangelist to the streets and bringing all those street kids in. In. get ridiculous faith. Put yourself out there. Dream, get a word from God. Amen. What happens though, in our walk with God is we get in this place I call the um, a holding pattern. If anybody's flown in a plane enough, I've been on a lot of planes in my lifetime, and there's sometimes that you just you, you don't even realize it's happening, but you just kind of discern, oh, I'm stuck in holding pattern. I'm not landing, I'm not really going anywhere, and sure enough, you can look out the window and you're in this holding pattern, and that holding pattern isn't going anywhere, you're just kind of stuck in this transition, and you're not going anywhere, and you can look down off the window and you can go, my destination is right there, I can see where I want to be, I know where I want to go, that's it, but I can't get there. Has anybody ever been there? Or maybe you're there right now. But I believe God before, and like I look out that window, and I'm stuck in this holding pattern, and I can see right there that if I could just land, there's this 10% that I just need to get down there, and I'd have a great marriage. I would have a breakthrough in my finances. I would start that ministry if I could just get on the ground, but I don't know what to do because I'm stuck. And then what happens is when you feel like you're in that holding pattern, and listen, God will keep you in a holding pattern for a little bit. He'll keep you there to trust him, to exercise your faith in him, to stir up God on the inside of you. Amen. The holding pattern doesn't mean you've missed it. And what happens is if you're in that holding pattern in your plane and you've got to, you got to get to the connecting flight, what do you start doing? I'm gonna miss my connection. Now you're worried, and you're maybe if you can get phone connections. How am I gonna to get to the next connection that's gonna get me where I really need to go? So all of a sudden we're afraid that I'm gonna miss what God has. Because I can't see and I'm stuck in this holding position. And God's like, you don't have to worry about landing the plane. You don't have to worry about the connections. You don't have to worry about the promotion. I've already got it mapped out for you. I already have the wisdom that you need. I already have your children in the care of my hands. I've got it figured out. All I need you to do is trust me. Stay faithful in the ordinary. Keep serving me. Keep loving me. Keep giving to me. Matter of fact, let's do more. Amen. Let's serve more in 2020. Let's give more in 2020. Let's worship God more in 2020. Let's give it all. What do we got to lose? Let's say, I'm all in. I'm all in this year. Because guess what? I may be in a better place than I was of January 2019, but boy, I want to be in a great place when 2020 closes out. I want to be in a ridiculous place that I don't understand how I got here, but God. And I'm going to let God show up in my life and show out in my life, amen? Be faithful in the mundane things. First Kings 19, the rest of that verse 19 says this. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him So here he is doing the mundane, and here comes Elijah, no word to Elisha, and here comes this man of God out of nowhere. He could have been anywhere, but he showed up at a farmer's field, and he picked Elisha because God chose him, and he threw his cloak over him. And he was saying, symbolizing that cloak that I'm putting on you, that which covered me, Elisha, is now going to cover you. That which God worked through me is now going to work through you. That miracles that I moved through is now going to work through you. See, when God gives you a word from his spirit, he will cover you. You are not in that miracle on your own. God is going to be with you, around you, surround you, promote you when God covers you. God is saying this, you're under my care. Quit worrying about what anybody else thinks about your situation. Quit worrying about where you look and what life looks like. None of that matters to God. All that matters to God is that you receive his word, and you take the cloak of his anointing around you, and you receive grace, grace, and you continue to believe God for what you're believing God for. I'm writing down some things that I'm believing God for this year. I am. I've already written a bunch of them down and I cannot wait to unveil them in 2020 for the Lord to show you what I'm believing God for. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But I have an excitement because I figure, what do I got to lose trusting God? What do I got to lose from dreaming? There's no disappointment with God. When God is in control, his hands are wide open because he's just looking for his kids to say, ah, I get it. My God has everything for me. And as soon as that aha moment clicks on the inside of you, you'll believe God for the impossible things, amen? So how can we apply this into our life today? How can we take what he did and bring it into our lives today? I'm going to share two principles of ridiculous commitment that I want you to apply in your life over the next few weeks or even into the new year. Two principles of ridiculous commitment. God is about to call Elijah to follow him without having any details. And point number one is this. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You know, human beings, we want A to Z, don't we? God, if you'll just show me A, B, C, D, E, maybe at least that much, then I'll obey you. And God says, no, I need you to obey me when I first speak. I need you to trust me when I give you the word. Don't begin to question and wonder what I have for you. I need you to trust that I am God and what I said is my will and my way, and you can trust me that I'll be with you. I remember when I was living in Beloit, Wisconsin with my my family who started the church there, and church was great. Youth ministry was great. I was running the church at the time, um, and I was the youth pastor. I was kind of the glue to everything, like everything revolved around me. That was a nice feeling for me. You guys supposed to laugh at that. You know, I'm quiet today. Gosh. Anyway, everything really did revolve around me. And so one day, um, the Lord gave us a word. My dad sent me out. My dad woke up, the pastor of the church, and we begin to fast and pray. And he says, I know your call to Arizona. And so I'm like, this is so awesome. My spirit said yes. And then all of a sudden, I got up, and I'm like, well, what about this? And what about that? You know how we do it? Well, what about this? And all of a sudden, every, that word from God began to come undone and begin to lose my faith because I wondered about everything. See, where am I going to live? What church am I going to go to? What's going to happen? And I had a plan. It didn't come out to my way, right? But we begin to wonder and undo. God calls us to walk by faith. And my dad said to me, we don't ever question when God speaks. We just obey. You just obey. See, I wish we had, you know, all the ducks in a row, but God says, just trust me be faithful to me, right? Honor me, trust me, I will be with you. 1 Kings 19.20 says this, Elijah then left his oxen and he ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and I will come with you. Something that I want you to see in this portion of his story is Elisha was ready. He was ready to go with Elijah. He didn't have to try to figure everything out. Whatever was going on in his life, he was ready to obey God. And I'm asking you this morning, Are you ready for what God has? Is your faith ready? I know for me as this church, what I believe God has called us to do that is so extraordinary, and I know he's gonna do it, but we have to have our resources in order, right? We've gotta have our finances in order, make sure we have money. When God says we can go build or buy land, we've gotta have that ready to go. God can speak his word to do something, but if you aren't prepared for it, it'll never come to pass, and it doesn't mean it's not God. It means you weren't ready. That's why this whole year of 2019, we're saying, let's prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves, get in the word, fast, pray, hear God, build your confidence, you know, build your faith in God. Why? Because when God says go, when God says start this business, when God says do this, do that, you're like, I'm ready to go. I'm scared, but I'm going, Jesus. There's a story of a, um, a church uh, just about six months ago. What's the name of the church again? I was Transformation Church. Anyway, there's a church about our size, maybe a little bit bigger when they started, but um, this pastor got the church, and for four years, he built this church, and the Lord gave him a word. He said, you're going to buy the arena in the city, and you're going to preach my gospel from that arena. Well, he had like 600 people at the time, about the size of our church, and um, God said this. This is his word from God. When you get 1,000 people, I'll have you buy that arena. So he's like, okay, God. Well, he's just busy building the church, building the church. The whole time, saving money, saving money, being honorable with God's money, putting it away, putting it away. And then all of a sudden, the arena came up for sale. And he's like, oh my gosh, God told me we're going to, and this is four years later. He said, God told me we're going to have that arena. And he said, find out how many people we have, because God says when you have a thousand, you can buy it. So he got the numbers together, 1,200 people in his church. He said, we're going to believe God, and we're going to go buy that building and trust God. And so he went, knocked on the door, and they said, actually, it's too late. We've already had investors buy into it. We're signing the contracts today, and we're going to make it into a church, or excuse me, like a city entertainment center with a bunch of little, which sounded kind of cool. And the guy walked away. He's like, that's so weird because God told me to have ridiculous faith and trust him for that building. It doesn't make sense that our church should buy it, but I know what God said. But the door was shut. And so he went looking at other buildings, began to look at Kmarts and other warehouses or whatever, and every shut door, every shut door. And he got discouraged. And then one day, the phone rang, and the arena, the board of the arena said, listen, the financing fell through on that deal, and if you want the building, it's yours. And you know, because he had the cash in the bank, he was able to show up, put that cash down, finance the rest of it, and they filled that thing to capacity that next Sunday build it to capacity. People getting saved, giving their hearts to Jesus, winning that city to Jesus Christ. See, that's what it's about. It's not about building treasures up for ourselves and fancy houses and cars. No, it's about building the kingdom of God, the message of Jesus Christ going into this city, miracle signs and wonders happening in the house of God. That's what it's about. Amen. So we prepare ourselves. We're doubling up our leadership right now. Let's double up our classes. and Let's make sure everybody's on double duty. Why? So we can handle the harvest that God's called us to do. Is it the will of God we win this city? Yes. But if we don't prepare, it'll never be ours. And we'll wonder, God, you said. I said, like, yeah, I said, but you weren't ready. You didn't prepare yourself for what I said you could do. Amen? So we're getting ready. So what do we do? Listen, God is not difficult to hear. We make him so difficult. And if you study the scriptures, God will use one word sometimes to give you direction. You know, you may be believing God for your marriage and you're waiting, the Lord said, your marriage is ordained by me and my presence is there and you're called around the city. No, God will say, stay. Stay in your marriage. doesn't have to be some, we make prophecies wordy. God's like, stay, Right? If you look at scripture, he told Moses, go. He told Abraham, go to a land I ain't telling you yet till you just show up. Isn't God funny? Nah, 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 right? We we over-spiritualize God's voice. Whatever situation you're in, stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. He will tell you, and then you prepare. And you hang on, and you do the ordinary until the extraordinary takes place. Until your ridiculous faith comes alive, but I'm going to be faithful in the ordinary, amen? You may be trusting God. You may want your health healed, and God will just say, trust me, trust me. Maybe you've got an idea, and you had it on the back burner, burner, witty inventions, right? Starting a business, and God may say this year, start. He may just say, start it. And you're like, okay, I'm going to start getting the plan. I'm going to get the layout. I just need that one word from God, right? Maybe there's someone in here who wants a child, and you desperately been longing for a child. Maybe God will say, adopt. Maybe he'll just say, adopt. Or maybe he'll give you the promise "It's coming. Hang on, you know, whatever it is. But get that word from God. I can't have ridiculous faith until I get a word from God. Because then it's just become my own good idea, and good ideas fade away really fast, don't they? We get disappointed with good ideas, but God ideas never leave here. You can't take what God told me away from right here. Because I know in my knower, I know what God said. And I'm not tossed by the winds. Yeah, I may get a little rattled what's around me, but you can't take away what I know God promised me. And that way I can just do the ordinary knowing, oh God, I can't wait to what you're about to do in my life. Amen? So number one, you don't have to fully understand to obey immediately. Number two, I feel like I missed a good part of my teaching. Oh, it's coming up right here. Okay. Number two, those God uses the most are the ones who hold on the least. So in this season, you have to be willing to let go of some things. You have to let go of those things that may seem valuable and important to you when God calls you in your life. If you look at 1 Kings 19 verse 21, it says this, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And when I read that portion of the scripture, I'm like, why did Elisha go to all that work? Why did he kill the oxen that was his livelihood? Why did he, kill, why did he burn the plow with fire to cook the meat and have a party for himself? And the Lord spoke to him and he said, because what has become security in your past, you need to burn it so that there's no going back. That was his livelihood. He knew, well, if this don't work with Elijah, I got something going on. I can go back to my plow. I can at least go back here. And God's saying, no, trust me. It's time to burn the old habits. It's time to burn the addictions. It's time to let go of behavior. It's time to let go of fear and unbelief. And that whatever it is that you default to every time that derails you out of the will of God, God says, let me burn it with fire. Because God says, put your face like a flint. There's no looking back, good or bad. You've got to keep pressing forward to Jesus. And I know when I gave my heart to Jesus at 17, I surrendered to the Lord. I was in this relationship about a year in or whatever. And I remember one day waking up going, there's no going back. Like, there's no option for me to stop serving God. There's no option for to go back to the world and live like the world. I knew I had made a decision, hell or high water, I'm going to serve Jesus. I burned whatever is in the past, and there's no comfort zones anymore. I'm going to let go of whatever God wants me to let go of in my life. I'm not going to hang on to anything that makes me feel safe or secure or comfortable. If God asks for it, I'm going to give it away. And there's things that have us. There's things that control us. There's things that bind us up. And God is saying, just trust me. Let those things go that makes you feel safe. And trust me. Amen. Allow them to be burned up. Why? Because God wants to have this plowing faith on the inside of you. God wants to do a ridiculous thing in your life. I know there's a story of a a young man. I even heard this when I was young. A friend of mine's husband was caught on pornography. This was back before cell phones were out. And uh, he was on the computer and caught on pornography. And she came to me crying, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was really tormented about it. And kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I know what I would do. The Sicilian in me, like the Sicilian woman came out of me. I'm like, I would take that computer, I'd throw it through the front window, and I'd beat it with the baseball bat and never have a computer in my house again. Why? Because I'm going to eliminate whatever's bringing destruction to my house. And if that makes me have to go out of my way to take my kids to the library, because she's like, well, my kids have reports. And I don't care. We're going to go to the library every day if we have to. Why? Because I'm going to eliminate whatever is bringing destruction in my life. I'm going to let it go because I'm believing God for ridiculous things in my life. Another story of a man, he had, not modern day, he had a cell phone, and he had addiction to pornography, and he loved God. And it was a stronghold, and he was so frustrated because he wanted to die to that thing. And he brought it to his pastor, and he said, I'm just struggling with this pornography, and I can't get set free of it. And he said, Well, you need to get rid of your your cell phone. He's like, Oh, man, we need our cell phones. You know, what do I do without my cell phone? I sounded Hispanic there, didn't I? That was pretty awesome. (laughs) I was like, Essay. Hey, man, oh, man. (laughs) That's what Sane even laughing at me. So the guy said, you need to get rid of your cell phone, man. He's like, but wait, I need my cell phone. He said, yeah, but you don't need that one. Go get yourself a little flip phone. And you know what that man did? He went up to the top of a building and he threw that cell phone off. And he went and bought himself a flip phone until he could find freedom. See, once, what was my point? The ones God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. It's a season to let go of those things that are holding us captive. Amen. What is in control of your life? Find freedom in Christ Jesus. This is not not about guilt and condemnation. This is about God releasing his purpose in your life, amen? There's no plan B. I'm not going back, amen? I'm pressing on to Jesus. God is doing something new in in our lives. God is stirring up faith. Listen, God never intended for his followers to play it safe. Never. He doesn't want us to play it safe. Let's get our faith out there and let's believe God for some incredible things, amen? Are you willing to look ridiculous? Are you willing to let go of the things that you think is important in your life and to trust God, amen, and develop ridiculous faith? The last scripture verse I have is in Luke 9. He said, Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And it's not judgment. It's like, well, if you do that, I'm going to pay the price. No, he says, you're not fit because you're always looking back and where you're not good enough. You're always looking back and where you failed. You're always looking back and Jesus says, that can't produce the kingdom. But if you keep your eyes on me, if you keep trust in me, I'll produce a fruit in your life you never dreamed imaginable. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I want everybody to close your eyes this morning and just repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. And Father God, I commit to have ridiculous faith and trust you and let go for the great things in my life. In Jesus' name. Father God, I just thank you for everyone here today. I thank you for what you're doing in their hearts. In my heart and in this church, God, I know that you're doing extraordinary things. And I know, God, you don't want anyone to feel eliminated. I know you don't want anyone to feel like it's impossible for their lives. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to stir them up as they leave church today. Begin to stir them up in their spirits as they're driving, as they're at work, Father God. When they're in their car, awaken them, Lord God. Awaken their passion again. Awake their zeal, Lord God. Let us become a church that is so on fire for your purpose and your desires, Father God. Awaken your church, God. I thank you that Faithful is a church that's been set apart for a divine kingdom purpose, Lord God. That, Lord, we're called to house this revival We're called to house the harvest that is coming in. Let us be a church that is poised and ready to receive the lost and the broken and the hurting, Father God, and the prodigal sons and daughters. We thank you, Jesus, that as this year comes to a close and we're going into 2020, we have great expectations. Stir up our spirits. Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say, Father God. Let us hear that word. Let us hear a voice of your spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You said that prayer this morning, inviting Jesus into your life and making him your Lord and Savior. I want you to take a moment. There's a card in the chair in front of you. It says, I chose Jesus. Fill that out really briefly and bring it to our altar worker, Ed. We have a Bible for you, but we also have more information about your walk with Jesus. It's more than just saying a prayer. We want to empower you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. So I love you all so much. Don't forget John George next week, 9 and 1030. Bring a friend and let's build the house of God. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.